Hello, everybody, and welcome to April of 1991. In the news this month, the U.S. minimum wage increases from $3.80 to $4.25 an hour. Musical Miss Saigon opens at the Broadway Theater. Ian Woosnam wins the 55th U.S. Augusta National Masters Tournament. The Dow Jones closes above 3,000 for the first time. Johnny Carson announces his retirement from The Tonight Show. Dinosaurs premieres on ABC TV. The number one song of the month is I've Been Thinking About You by London Beat. And the top three movies are Mortal Thoughts, Oscar, and Out for Justice. Welcome back to another episode of Be Kind, Please Rewind, a 90s movie podcast. Hello everybody and welcome again to another episode of Be Kind, Please Rewind, a 90s movie podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Kevin. And it's April of 1991. I feel like we're uh, pretty far into our uh, season already. And it, it we ha- I feel like we haven't done much, but we've made it this far. Well, me breaking your computer and us losing the files. Um, we apologize again. I know I made a post on Instagram, but uh, yeah, <laughs> we had a, quite a setback here with the technology. Yeah, well, we were able to get the files off the computer, but now the computer is non-existent, so I have to buy yet another computer. Luckily, you have a laptop that can have some of the same features. Yes. (laughs) Hopefully, this sounds as good as we think it will. I think it will. I think we'll be good. I think we'll be good. All right. Good stuff. Good. So, this month was kind of shit, except for the top three movies, right? Yeah, but the top three movies, I did not hate any of them. Not, uh, well, I mean, I take that back. I thought two were quality films, and I thought one was a trash film that I enjoyed because it was trash. Well, we'll get to that because I'm going to have a debate with you, and I'm looking (laughs) forward to that. But, I mean, you know, I'm a huge fan, huge proponent of an hour 30 runtime. Yes, and this was a great month for that. (laughs) Every movie, I think two were 130, and and one was like 140. And it deserved to be 140. Like, it it was the type of movie, it should have been 140. So, I mean, I was on board with all of these movies. I didn't hate one watch. So, I guess without further ado, because I don't have anything else to speak about, you want to just get right into it? Let's do it. So, this month, there were only 10 releases. And then next month, there's like 30 releases. Yeah, it's weird. I, I don't understand how this like is decided or if like movies like like places just, you know, oh, you know what? We're going to pull this movie last second, push it to the next month. I don't know how that works. But. Do you think, let me give you a hypothetical. Do you think that there's like a secret underworld like Illuminati where all the heads of the studios get together and they decide how many movies they're going to put out in a, in a particular month? I don't know about certain like number of movies, but I definitely think certain movies like like think about it. Like you, you think when Deep Impact came out, they didn't know that right around the corner was Armageddon. Armageddon, or when <laughs> they put out The Illusionist, and what was the other one? Oh, the the Christian Bale one. Or the, Wasn't was that, that the, the Illusionist? Illusionist? Oh, oh god. The Prestige. The Prestige. No, that the was Christian, the Christian Bale. Bale yes. Yes. It took us a while to work through <laughs> that, but we got there. Yeah, but it's like, what was the quote from? Uh, uh, that was from. Oh, what movie was it? Knocked Up, right? Mm. Great movies come in twos. <laughs> <laughs> Seems reasonable. And that's where, the, that's where I get the Armageddon, Deep Impacts. <laughs> yeah, they, they think they went over that exact thing, right? Yeah. I think so. All, All right. right. Anyway, so you want to start it off? Yeah, well, I'm going to get going here, but I'm, I'm going to warn you. There's not much to talk about here until the top three. Okay. All right, so coming in at number 10, Daddy Nostalgia. Mm. So... Sounds like somebody has some issues. For so, me, it's a dad issue. 
Austin Powers, your father. All right. Um, so this is a drama, obviously, uh, earning $468,000. Yeah. Yeah. There were some conflicting release dates about this movie. I so found we're it. just going with this one. So we're just going with this one. I saw some that said May of 1991, but most of what I found was April of 1991, so I just went with that. Okay. And here's what this movie's about. A retired English businessman has just been through heart surgery, but it has apparently done little to revive his constant pain or improve his long-term survival prospects. <laughs> So he had uh, an ineffective surgery, a, I suppose. A failed heart surgery. All um, right. That's all I found on this movie. Who's it? Who's it with? The, nobody you've heard of. So it's directed by Bertrand Tavignat. Okay, he's a French director. Nothing that I know because it's all French movies except for this one. Uh huh. Starring Dirk Bogard. Not Dirk Diggler. No, not Dirk Diggler. So Dirk Bogard is an English actor, but he was in stuff I've never heard of. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, and then there's two French actresses, Jane Birkin and Odette Lau. Okay. Uh, fun. Yeah. That's all I got. Good times. Yeah. Movies. People made them. Sometimes French people. <laughs> Coming in at number nine, impromptu, grossing $4 million. In 1830s France, a pianist slash composer, Frédéric Chopin. A pianist? Yes, he's a pianist. Uh, is pursued romantically by the ter- determined individualistic woman who uses the name George Sand. Frederick Chopin, the only reason I know that name is because of Tombstone. <laughs> when he says this happens to be an octave, he says, a what? You know, Frederick fucking Chopin. Stars. <laughs> Let's go back to Tombstone. Let's just talk about Tombstone. Let's make this a Tombstone podcast. Sold. <laughs> Stars Judy Davis and Hugh Grant and Mandy Patinkin. Patinkin. Patinkin, excuse me. You don't know who Mandy Patinkin is? I know who he is. I just have difficulty pronouncing his last name. Apparently. And directed by nobody we know. That's fantastic because you know what? Going into number eight, can I tell you, this is also a movie you've never heard of. But there are two actors you have heard of. So this is The Object of Beauty, a comedy crime drama, earning $5.1 million. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I could find about this movie is, this story is about a 'er ne'er-do-well and his girlfriend as they search for a thief. Okay. It's a really vague and general (laughs) plot. Yes. Directed by Michael Lindsay Hogg. You know what else he directed? Nothing. Nothing. Uh, Starring John Malkovich. You know, okay. You know who John Malkovich He was in that movie, Being John Malkovich. Oh, where they were talking about John Malkovich. Yeah, where they were becoming John Malkovich. No, that's how I know the name John Malkovich. Exactly. Also starring Andy McDowell, which is a main reason I won't see this movie. Why? Andy McDowell's fine. She was good in, but she wasn't even good in it. Groundhog's Day was the only good movie she's ever been in, and she was not the good part of it. Well, she's serviceable as an actress. All right. Coming in at number seven, The Marrying Man, grossing $12.4 million. Let me guess. It's a guy who marries people. (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) A millionaire playboy goes into Vegas and comes out married to a woman he barely knows. Starring Kim Basinger, Alec Baldwin, Elizabeth Shue, Paul Reiser, Armand Assant, and Robert Lozier. I know a lot of those names. Robert Lozier is, uh, he's the boss in Big. He's also the boss. Oh, okay, okay, okay. He's also Al Pacino's boss in Scarface that he ends up murdering. And uh, that's all I could think of right now. No, no, no. Wait, he's I have the, his face in my He's like, also in my head. he's also a general of sorts in Independence Day. Yes. 
That's what I was thinking of. There we go. We yeah. got it. All right. We d- we dug it out. Because I had his face in his, like in my brain just the, as the boss of uh, Big. So let me bring it back to 1991. I definitely remember this title. I definitely remember this box cover. And I never saw this movie, but haven't seen... Look, this is a comedy, so it could be, you know, a hot ball of shit. But, I mean, with the cast, uh, I'm a, definitely an Alec Baldwin fan. Paul Reiser is usually good. Elizabeth Shue, why not? Kim Basinger, why not? Armando Asant, Robert Loja, like it's just a good cast. So. You know, it's funny that Elizabeth Shue was brought up today because like yesterday I was on Instagram and I saw this, the evolution of Elizabeth Shue in the 1980s. Yeah. And I was just like, why would someone spend the time to make this? I don't know. She was an <laughs> integral part of the 80s, like especially if you were like 10-ish, you know, in the mid to late 80s where she was kind of hot. You, yeah. You might have had a thing for her. Maybe. Um, coming in at number six, one of my childhood absolute favorites. This is a good one. The never ending drop dead Fred. (laughs) I don't know why I called it never ending. I meant like never dying. Like, like it's, it'll, it's going to last for eternity. Everlasting. Everlasting. The everlasting drop dead Fred earning $13.7 million. And I got to say, that's a win. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think that I feel like this movie should have been a bigger hit for for the simple fact that this was the only thing that's even remotely for kids this month. And remotely for kids, yeah, it's remotely for. I don't know how this is a children's movie. It is well because it's 1991, where like you got a PG movie with like tits in it. Yeah, so. that's true. That's true. So just to recap, a young woman finds her already unstable life. Rocked by the presence of a rambunctious imaginary friend from her childhood. So, in case you don't know, Drop Dead Fred is an imaginary friend of actor Phoebe Cates. Yes. She spends the whole movie trying to convince herself that he's not real because he's not real. And she's just basically losing her mind. And he ruins everything she's a part of. 100%. And the best parts of this movie are the flashbacks. All the flashbacks to when she's a little kid. Him taking the the boots and stepping in the dog shit and draping it through the white carpet <laughs> him sliding underneath the mom just looking up and going <laughs> cobwebs what the hell <laughs> i gotta tell you i haven't seen this movie since i was probably 11 years old those are the only two things i can remember about the movie and no didn't he which by he we mean she cut her own hair at some point and he ruined that yeah like he did it but like but she she did, did it because everything he's doing is actually her doing it. Okay. Well, <laughs> she I, spends the movie trying to convince people he's actually real, but he's not. I think I should go down uh, the road of bad parenting and have my children watch this movie. Well, your one son's 14 now, so he, he can watch it. Yeah, Chase is eight, and it's borderline acceptable. <laughs> All right. So but it was good enough for me in the 90s, so it's good enough for him in the 2020s. It well. made you the man you are today, I'm sure. Which that's questionable at best so <laughs> so this is directed by Atta De Young Jong I'm not sure how to pronounce that he's a Dutch director from the Netherlands <laughs> does he have a Dutch accent and is it weird <laughs> isn't it weird <laughs> um starring Phoebe Cates as I mentioned uh Rick Mael plays Fred. Drop Dead Fred can I ask you I don't remember his face from anything else is he in anything else of note uh, I found that he had a really extensive career. Like he's but, got like a like seventy five 
IMDb's under his belt. But, but nothing are they all note. like voiceovers and cartoons there, and there, shit? There are those, and there's like TV appearances, mostly in uh, English television. Oh, yeah. okay. That makes sense then. Yeah. Um, so that's Fred starring Marsha Mason. She's from Heartbreak Ridge. She starred alongside Clint Eastwood in that one. Uh, Tim Matheson, who, is, of course, is the vice president in West Wing. Nice. And Carrie Fisher. Ooh. Yeah, she plays uh, Phoebe Kate's friend. And I'm, like, generally conflicted about Carrie Fisher's appearances. Like, on one hand, it's, like, awesome to see Carrie Fisher in something else. But then also, like, maybe she's just not doing a good job. Well, because it's heartbreaking because she was a full-fledged alcoholic cokehead that ruined her career. But she's all right now. No, she's dead now. <laughs> I mean, she was all right before <laughs> she died. I guess. Uh, she's good now anyway. She's peaceful. That's not okay. Uh, well, I'm saying she's... I don't know. It's not funny, but it's funny. She's all right, bro. She's fine. Leave her alone. <laughs> all right, coming in at number five, A Kiss Before Dying. It's a crime drama, gross $14.7 million. <laughs> I'm so happy that you put... <laughs> Okay, go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> All right. A determined student murders. I'm sorry, I can't. <laughs> a determined student murders his pregnant secret girlfriend and moves on to her twin sister, who gradually becomes suspicious of her new lover. I just read that plot for the first <laughs> time. <laughs> I, it so got that's so. Like a, that's that just that was wild. Hold on, it got it was like a roller coaster in one sentence. <laughs> I got, I got so Wait. much more interested as I started to why, read it. Why did he move on to the twin sister? Oh like, my go find God. Some, like, way to like, get you to incriminate yourself. Hold on. I was going to shit all over this movie because it's a crime drama starring Matt Dillon and like nobody else. And I was getting ready to shit on it until I read that description. Now I want to watch this movie. Where does it go from there? I don't know. I need to know. I'm on board, though, whatever it is. Let's do it. Right. Number four. Number four was Toy Soldiers. All right. Go this ahead. This is a good movie. Oh, I'm sorry. It's gross. a drama, right? I forget I did this one. Action drama. It grossed $15 million on the button, apparently. A group of troublemaking boys decide to take a stand when terrorists seize control of their boarding school. Uh, I recall... I vaguely recall this movie. That's why I had you talk about it, because I think you remembered it a little bit better. I don't remember the movie, per se. I remember the idea of it, but I, I thought that there were way more... Uh, well-known actors in this movie, but there's not. But it, you're already doing a better job at remembering this movie because I thought this was Small Soldiers. <laughs> With the toys? With the toys. And I was nice. so excited to watch it. Nice. I was like, but it seems way too early for that movie. And it was. So this one has Sean Astin, Will Wheaton, Lou Gossett Jr., and Lee Ermey. Lee Ermey is the drill sergeant from Full Metal Jacket. Um, he also plays a toy soldier in Toy Story. Yes. Um... <laughs> So, yeah, I don't really remember much of this movie, so there you go. Um, I remember liking it. Yeah, I remember liking this movie, too. I think this I, is I like... I vaguely remember loving this movie. When movies like this were coming out, like, it was like one of those... Like, Red, um, Red a, Dawn, where, like, kids fight the army, and, you know, it's a good movie for, a, like, a, a... A teen. Yeah. A youth. Yeah. A youth. A, a two youths. <laughs> two youths like this movie. All right. That's it. That's it. All right. So, moving on to the top three. Coming in at number three is Mortal Thoughts, earning $19 million. And you'd think you would get away with this. 
I didn't think that she would go through with it. It was a sick game. Listen to me. We are friends, and we are going to watch out for each other forever. Something terrible happened that night. I mean, you have a friend, two friends, married. We're at each other's throats. When are you going to start listening to me, huh? So what if I want to have another baby? No, 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 because we already talked about this, and you know that. Get this taken care of. Something no one wanted to talk about. He used to be such a happy-go-lucky guy. Well, I'm very happy-go-lucky. Uh, <laughs> yes, who? We're partying, baby. I'm gonna kill him one of these days, so help me God. Something no one could put their finger on. I'm really afraid, Joyce. I mean, I don't think that we're doing the right thing. I warned you about those two. They're crazy. They're animals. Anything can happen with them. Something no one could forget. Somebody's talking. They ask questions like somebody knows something, like somebody said something. Something just doesn't sit right here. The night James was murdered, you said you told your husband everything. I didn't do anything. I mean, you're really caught in the middle now. You're gonna have to make a choice here. I made my choice. It's over. You think it's over? You knew what was happening. You let it happen. Some secrets you keep. What you want is a lie. Others you kill for. I mean, a woman's a murderer! Somebody help me! Unless, of course, she isn't a murderer. Demi Moore, Glenn Headley, Bruce Willis, John Pankow, and Harvey Keitel. Mortal Thoughts. So... I was excited to see this movie because of the cast. Um, Same here. I was disappointed in some aspects, but you know, I had to, I actually enjoyed watching this movie. I thought this. Well, let's. I want to give the cast first. So Demi Moore plays Cynthia Kellogg. Bruce Willis plays James Urbanski. Okay, aren't they all supposed to be Italian? Why is his last name Urbanski? Because I think he's not Italian. He's just from. They're all from Staten Island. He's right? got That's like what the got. Ginzo attitude, though. With yeah, but... So, anyway, Harvey Keitel plays Detective John Woods. Frank Vincent, who's Billy Bats, plays Dominic Marino. He has a very small role. Glenn Headley uh, plays Joyce Urbanski. Um, she is Tess from Dick Tracy. Uh, she died at age 62 from a pulmonary embolism, which... Oof. Yeah, it's shitty. She was also in uh, Sergeant Bilko, Mr. Holland's Opus, and Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I remember liking her, aside from Dick Tracy. She just was always like kind of like the same like soft-spoken character. Yeah, and I liked her a lot in this movie because she was so soft-spoken, but like you really could have believed her to be a murderer. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like to, to, to just be like this battered woman who was, you know, ready to just break. Um, and she almost sold it for me throughout this movie. So the plot is Joyce's abusive husband, who's Bruce Willis, uh, is murdered. Cynthia tells her side of the story to the detectives, right? Yeah. So then we're being led through the events of um, what seems to be... We're going through the interrogation, and we're looking at it through the point of view of Demi Moore. Right, but the, uh, the murder was what? Like, accidental? Well... It, they don't tell you that until the very end of the movie, but yeah, the, the was the in, so so we, so to to spoil the whole movie, right? We go through the entire movie thinking that Glenn Headley, Joyce Urbanski, Bruce Willis's wife, murdered Bruce Willis. But the whole time, you're also very suspicious of Demi Moore, and I actually had written down at one point, 
this is obviously Demi who killed him. <laughs> so then at the end, it turns out that Bruce Willis was like a just like a genuine piece of shit person in this movie. And he's always high and drunk. And he's always coming on to Demi Moore, which is like their their mutual friend or whatever. And start, attempts to rape her. And then she grabs a box cutter and slits his throat. Which at this point, it's just to me like this is where the movie kind of lost me for it. Like, I think this movie would have played out better if she had intentionally killed him because it was clearly self-defense and it clearly would have been like deemed as such. Yeah. Given the circumstances, like the guy was out of control. Everybody knew he was out of control. So I don't understand the whole like hiding of everything. And, and like, I guess cause it's the panic. Maybe that's what it is. It's supposed to be just the panic of you killed someone. Now what do we do? Yeah. Well, I, I look, I think that I, I thought about it and I was like, well, it's a good plot, right? It's a, it's a fair storyline. It's acceptable. And then I felt like everybody's, I felt Bruce Willis went for it and missed the mark, but at least he went for it. But his role was so small anyway in the movie. Like he wasn't in it for maybe a third of it. He was definitely over the top. Everything was just like insanely over the top. Like no human being like this has ever existed, but it does serve the purpose of getting you to hate his guts the entire movie. So then I, I was sitting there like, why don't I like this movie more? And then the only thing that I could conclude is that like, Maybe it was the director's fault, you know, to to have this cast and not get any more out of them. Like this movie's entirely forgettable. This will definitely be one of those movies that I'll see. I'll see the title ten years from now and be like, "Oh, that's a great cast. I got to watch this movie," and then turn it on and thirty minutes and realize I've seen it before. Yeah, but you know, like the, a big problem with this movie is the best parts of the movie are in the interrogation room, and I think that's problematic because. It's very, very difficult to make a good movie where it's a discussion. You know, like, how many movies are that good? Like, Quentin Tarantino's good at that. Who else? Well, I mean, I don't know. Harvey Keitel could have given me more. Yeah, right. And and that's kind of like like why I think of, like, Quentin Tarantino movies, right? Because Harvey Keitel is all up in... Quentin Tarantino movies. And yeah, but his dialogue, his writing is second But that, that's what I'm saying. It's like... So then it's it, the writer. I don't know. Right. I mean, something's off here. And Keitel was good, and Demi was all right. It just... Right. It, it, it kind of felt like I enjoyed it, but at the same rate, I wasn't overly enthralled by the movie like even now that we sit here because again you know we had computer issues so it's actually been like two weeks since i watched this movie i'm even having trouble right now remembering like well i thought the specific parts of this movie let's hit this let's hit the topics because then i could talk about a couple of things so the director was alan rudolph this is it for him yeah nothing else he actually directed a few movies with bruce willis and harvey keitel yeah but nothing of note no nothing of note but like i mean and then I guess that that's actually why Bruce Willis is in this movie. So Alan R- Rudolph was not the original director. The other director got fired. And then Alan Rudolph came in like a month before filming. Mm-hmm. And he brought Bruce Willis in and then expanded the role. Yeah. So like that was a big part of the, the, the making yeah, could, of the movie. Yeah, because they weren't supposed to have James Urbanski, the character, like in the movie hardly at all. Right. I'm pretty sure it was just supposed to be the whole... It was just supposed to be to me and... The idea of him. Right. Yeah. Like you didn't need to see all that stuff. You just need to know that, that he was abusive. So yeah, that, that's it for this guy though. So then best you let's let's hit the categories like I said. So what's your best scene? So my best scene was actually in when they're heading to the fair when uh, Bruce Willis and Headley pick up uh, Demi, Demi Moore and she doesn't know that he's going to be in the truck or the yeah, van. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she gets into the van and he's back there. He's like, "Hello." <laughs> and he's coked up out of his mind. He's clearly drunk. He's he's going nuts and they're on their way to the fair and joyce 
that's Headley's character is basically at the breaking point and she starts playing chicken chicken with a tractor trailer. Yeah. And just the this is the part where like Headley sold her character for me. Like you just saw that she just had this complete loss of emotion. This whole like I don't give a fuck. I'm going right into this tractor trailer. And it was actually Bruce Willis who actually had to pull the steering wheel and swerve them out of the way. Yeah. And to me, that was just so tense. Um Bruce was just the right amount of over the top in that scene. Like, I don't think he went too far with it, but he went far enough that like, he really like made you excited about the scene. And it was just, I thought the best part of this movie. But then right after when they got out of the van and he like screams a woo and does a spin. I've never spun in real life. (laughs) Have you ever been that coked up before? My favorite scene was when Joyce goes to uh, Cynthia's house to get the gun. And then they start to turn on each other. That was the best scene as far as direction and storyline goes or writing went because like the stress of what they were hiding was starting to get to them and they didn't know who to trust anymore. And Oh, this is like right at Christmas time too. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also um, she's like, you know, you can't be here. My husband's going to be home soon. I'm not allowed to speak to you. Like yeah. we're not supposed to be together. They were they were in this thing together the whole time and then they, this is at the point where they start to like give the, you know, the, the shady eye and, you know, give like sort of like, well, fuck you sort of attitude. Right. So I thought that that was the best scene. The best... The most intense scene, the most realistic scene, the the the, the scene that made the most sense as far yeah. as the storyline goes. And at this point in the movie, I was pretty sure that Demi Moore had been the the murderer. Can I tell you, I had no idea that oh, she okay. did it. No, no idea. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to tell you why, and it's actually because of Demi's acting. So the, I'll start with that. So the reason I thought Demi was the murderer from the beginning is because when she's doing the, uh, when she's being... Interrogated when she's being interrogated, like there's so much emotion and so much like like trying to to make herself like like make her friend look innocent, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that that seems normal. That seems normal. But then in all of the flashbacks, when they're showing you how she behaved throughout all the different parts of the movie, I'm like, this is not a sane way for someone who did nothing to behave. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Right. So like, I'm like, the, the, like either this is bad directing and bad acting, or this is here for me to see and pick up on and, and realize that she had to have been the one that killed him. Yeah. Cause it was the only thing that made sense because the wife definitely wanted him dead. You knew that with the rat poison scene when she tried to put in his sugar. Yeah. All right. So what's your worst scene then? I, I got, so my main worst scene, I have two because one's not really a scene. Sure. My worst scene is when Demi starts to uh, break and yell and they're playing the ominous music and they're in the interrogation room and Harvey Keitel is eating this powdered donut. Mm-hmm. And like, he's, it's all over his face. <laughs> and I just felt like... like you're a grown man. You would This wouldn't be like this. Like you're not five years old. Like and, hold on, what's going on here? And the way she broke down, it was like too like that. Like she just snapped. Uh, maybe that's what they wanted. I didn't like it. Um, I didn't like that Harvey Keitel can't eat a donut. Fair, fair point. <laughs> so that was my worst scene, and I, didn't, I like I said, I just didn't find the acting to be top par there. Um, and then my other thing, my other worst scene is every scene where Demi's husband, uh, yeah, played he, by John Pankov, yeah. he was in nothing else. But every scene with him was awful. Yeah, awful. he was he was he was a drain um, on everybody on to me in the movie a drain to the viewer right. a drain to her friend like he was just a drain on everyone and the only decent scene he had was when he finally asked for a divorce yeah and he's finally doing what Packing a normal person up. would do and he's like acting 
Yeah. Like, well, instead yeah. of like acting poorly. Yeah. Like, his response to her coming home ap- with blood all over her shirt after having been involved in a murder is not a realistic response to the situation. Not at all. So, But uh, it would have been realistic if she had told him that she was the one that killed him. Yeah. Because <laughs> then he might have protected her, but he protected her for her friend, which yeah. makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, my worst scene, I think, is the scene that I brushed upon before when Bruce Willis gets out of the van and... Let's out of Ric Flair woo and woo. does a spin. Like, bro, I know you're high. I know you're drunk. I know you're out of your mind. But I just, I don't know. You, you took it up to an 11. Right. I, I needed you at, at an 8. He was at the solid 8 in the van. Yeah. He, he came out of the van at an 11. Yes. Right. So that was it. Simple, but, you know. Uh, my best role, I, I got to go with Bruce Willis because he's the only one who seemed to try. In this movie. And like I said, I, I, I didn't like it, but at least he tried. With the exception of the powdered donut scene, Kytel, Kytel did a great job too. Yeah, I but thought. he played a real person. Like, so all right, I can't say that. Everybody played a real person, really, besides Bruce Willis. But <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I didn't get enough Kytel. I really could have used more. Could have used more cowbell. Little, yeah, a little more Kaitel and a little more of Demi and him. Because I thought, I, I really do believe yeah, that. Yeah, he should have. Those were the scenes in the movie that were going to make this movie. He should have. The interrogation I, scenes. In, uh, uh, in reflection, he should have broke her down to like, he did more or less, but like she kind of gave in because when she saw Joyce and realized she was throwing Joyce under the bus for the whole thing and she felt bad. So she, then she goes out <sighs> to the car and she goes back in and then she then she confesses. I feel like Kaitel should have broke her. That would have yeah, made a better I agree because I wrote, I wrote in my notes, I'm like, what a dumb ending. It's her conscience that got her. Yeah. Stupid. Stupid. I actually wrote stupid. <laughs> All right. Uh, worst role? Demi's husband. Again, played yeah. by John Pankov. It was just, it wasn't a good role, first of all. Like, I, I didn't understand what his... It was useless. Yeah. Like, it, he, he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything he should have done. And then just the acting from John Pankov was terrible. Uh, I wrote the director because with this cast, that's all you got uh, out of them. Fair enough. So Fair enough. Movie quotes? Uh, I got one good one. Go ahead. So when uh, right before she puts the rat poison in the sugar and he comes down to yell at her about not having sugar in the house, he goes, this is Bruce Willis, how hard is it to get some sugar? Write it down. S-U-G-E-R. That's what we need. <laughs> That's great. Uh, <laughs> after Demi comes in from having murdered Bruce Willis and she comes into the husband and he sees the blood on the shirt and they go back and forth about what just happened. And he goes, where's the joy? She goes, what? He goes, the soap. She goes, you don't use that on clothes. You mean cheer. He goes, joy, cheer. Deck the fucking halls with boughs of holly. <laughs> that was, you know, that was, that a, was good a good line. line. That was a good line. That was the only reason he needed to be in this movie was to deliver that line. And then he should have, <laughs> he should have bowed on screen and walked off. All right. All right. So anything else? About this, uh, let me this just disappointing look o- movie. Look, let me look over my quick notes. It wasn't disapp- It was good. It just wasn't. It wasn't enough. That's all. It, it, it didn't meet the mark that it should have hit. That's yeah. really the problem. All right, number two, Oscar, grossing, twenty three point five million dollars. The year is 1931, and gangster Snaps Provolone is in control. The police are powerless. His rivals are helpless. No one in the entire city dares to defy him. 
except his daughter. I'm a modern 30s woman. Look! Put that away! I'm your father! She'll do anything, anywhere, with anybody. Your daughter and I are lovers. What? Did he tell you I was pregnant? What? Touchstone Pictures presents Sylvester Stallone in the story of a father. What we need is a husband. Trying to find someone. But no look at us. Who will marry his daughter. I've decided to go away to a convent. Well, you're a little late. Maybe it'll be Anthony. But I love Thornton! Or Thornton. I want Oscar! Or Oscar. Who's Oscar? He's got pimples! Couple of dates with you and that'll clear up. But whoever she decides to spend her life with... You mean she's having the chauffeur's baby? It's sure to ruin his life. I just came from Lisa's bedroom. You and everybody else. Sylvester Stallone. Oscar. So what's this about, Kevin? All right, listen. First off, I want to start with this movie was despised when it came out. Which is a horrific thing. Did they all not get it? This movie was a goddamn treat. This is a treasure. I was watching this movie and I was like, how do I not watch this movie way more often? I want to watch it again. And I'm going to tell you right now, I, I know we're not near the categories yet. There was no worse scene. Yeah, I, I, I really, I, I, I wrote down something that's so ridiculous for my worst scenes just simply because we have to no, talk about there something. was no worst scene. All right, so here's the deal. Uh, Sly Stallone, in a gem of a role, plays Gangster Snaps Provolone. How can you beat that what name? What a great name. So he promises his father on his deathbed that he's going to go straight. So Spoiler alert, he doesn't. So the whole movie <laughs> is Sly trying to juggle so many problems on the day that he promised his father he was going to go straight. Day one. Yes, the first day. So I, so I want to go through this. I wrote this down. So I wrote... I have it, so many notes. <laughs> I wrote that all the things that the movie is juggling at one time, okay? So trying to go straight for his fra- father, his Enemy Vendetti. <laughs> I thought Vendetti yeah. is such a sick name for, <laughs> for his enemy. The the cops trying to catch him doing something wrong. The bankers that he's trying to make a deal with to go straight. The tailors, the Finucci's. Anthony, the bookkeeper in the 50 G's that he stole. His daughter in the fake pregnancy. Teresa, who says his daughter. The bag of jewels that Anthony brings in to replace the 50 grand. And the maid and the, all the bag switchings back and forth. <laughs> all this stuff he's trying. And then he tra- also, at some point, uh, Tim Curry comes in, who's his... Um, Linguistics yeah, expert. Yeah, his teach him speech how to, therapist. Oh, to make him a better banker, I guess. A yeah. more presentable banker. And when Tim Curry came on the screen... I had to scream to the heavens, thank God for Tim Curry. But he was amazing. So good. He was like... He, it, was such an, it was such like a side role that had no bearing. Well, I mean, I actually had a lot of bearing. But like really no bearing in, in anything else. Like he, he wasn't needed for this movie. No, 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 no. <laughs> it could have worked without him, but I'm so glad he yeah, was there. Yeah, but it's so much better with him. All right, so I want to go... The, the actors quickly, there's a lot of them. Sly Stallone plays Snaps Provolone. Marissa Tomei is his daughter, Lisa. Who was not used enough, but this is also before she was Marissa Tomei. So that's okay. I can deal with that. Well, uh, yeah, I guess uh, Tim Curry is Dr. Poole. Chaz Palminteri is Connie, one of his uh, henchmen. Peter Reigert plays Aldo, one of Stallone's henchmen. I don't know Peter Reigert from anything else, but his role in this was amazing. Maybe my favorite guy in the movie. Don Amici plays Father Clemente. Uh, William Atherton is the banker. He's uh, Walter Peck in Ghostbusters and Thornburg in Die Hard. Yep. Uh, Art LaFleur. Plays Officer Quinn. He's the babe in the Sandlot. Yes, I brought this up 
previously. And Kurtwood Smith, he plays Toonie. He's red in that 70s show. That was the one actor I had like noted and that I got to mention him, and you stole it from me. Sorry, man. All right, so uh, look, I, I th- what I want to talk about with this movie is is how do you not understand what this movie was doing? It's such a joke of a movie. It's supposed to be. It's it's just it's, it's supposed to be a farce, like a like a comical gangster movie. That's like it's it's making a joke out of other gangster movies. And on top of everything else, it's based on a play. And it, so and it felt like a play. Yes, it did feel episodic like that. But that it was fine. Like I. I don't. I think. I don't know. If you didn't enjoy this movie, I don't really, really know what movie you are watching. Yeah. What, like, are, you what are you for? looking for? Are you looking for, for a serious movie? Are you looking for serious gangsters? Are you trying to tell me that this is a comedy that wasn't funny? Is that what you're saying? I found every. I'm, every thir- every every two minutes there was a laugh. I'm laughing out loud watching this movie, and it takes a lot for me to do that. All right. So this movie's pace was phenomenal it was so fast-paced you you couldn't not pay attention like that i like that about a movie where like you need everything like it's such a stupid movie and i and i mean that in the best way possible right yeah like it's just stupidity but you need to know the stupidity for the rest of the stupidity to make sense and to me that's brilliant it's 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 a completely coherent movie yes as it flows as ridiculous as it is there's a plot point through the entire movie like with the bags, and so in the beginning, little Anthony, it's Stallone's call, Italian accent in this movie is golden. Yes, calling him boss every three seconds, and don't call me boss. I, there's so <laughs> there's so many jokes. I love Anthony. Yeah, so and he comes and shakes him down for the raise, and, yeah. and then he immediately tells him he stole fifty grand from him, and that he's marrying his daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Like the absurdity of, and then he's like, so he wants to kill him, but he can't because he's going straight. And because he, he's, and it's uh, his daughter. And he don't thinks his daughter's pregnant at this point. So he thinks this kid's the father of his, his unborn grandchild. Yeah. So this, he can't kill him. He's yes. got to bring him into the family. Which, how golden was Marissa Tomei? She was great. Every time she was on screen. Her tantrums were phenomenal. And she's am- amazingly wonderful to look at. Yes. So, um, But in my opinion, the best scenes were with Anthony and slide the the whole shakedown everything with the, the the rubies and the diamonds and the and the finally explaining to him who Teresa was who Teresa wasn't his daughter but that Teresa that she was, was his daughter, daughter. Oh, it's great <laughs> it's phenomenal and I, I don't understand the I mean the, the pacing like you said where if you don't pay attention you're not going to keep up which for a stupid comedy is awesome I mean I don't know I don't know where where people went got off and this, this is movie, a movie is a crisp 97 minutes that's all it needs to be and doesn't a second longer it would have been too much can i tell you how much this movie was hated three razzie noms Are you ready for this yeah. stallone for worst actor marissa tomei for worst supporting actress and john landis for worst director they hated this movie why fuck hollywood i don't know i don't know that just threw me off my game now why'd you have to tell me that watching the movie this time i felt what really tied the movie together what? I know I know what it was. What? This is a joke. This isn't real. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's the fact that the entire movie, I wanted to know who the hell Oscar was. And he doesn't make an appearance until the last 10 seconds of the movie. Yeah. And it was played by an actor who appeared in zero other films, movies, television shows, anything. That's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel... I and that's the title character. I know. I we also the name of this movie made it really difficult to Google anything about it. Yeah. So I feel like the set and the costume design, because it's a period piece, right? What is it? 
the 20s, the is 30s, it, I the think 40s. It's 29 or something, or the it's, early 30s. Yeah. But like, I have this exact same thing written down. Like, it re- they did a really good job. And with I them. think they nailed that. Like, I don't know if it's a the real feel. persona. Yeah, like, but like that old timey gangster right. sort like, of thing. I'm sure that's not like, actually how they like, sound nah, behave, but yeah. nah, see, nah, that kind of guy. But it was fantastic, and I loved it. And they all were on the nose with it. Which I think that guy, Peter Reigert, Aldo, the guy who kept answering the door with the scar yes. in his mouth, he might be my favorite actor in the whole movie. <laughs> I think he did a great job just like... Like he was something like a whirlwind of nonsense, but like he was so good. He's like, you "Want me to take some him out?" He goes, "No, you're the butler now." <laughs> <laughs> Buttle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're the butler. Go buttle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into the pl- the uh, categories, I guess. So, do we have to? Uh, we can talk more at the end. I have so many things. The director John Landis also directed Animal House, Blues Brothers, American Werewolf in London, Trading Places, Twilight Zone, the movie, Spies Like Us. Three Amigos and Coming to America. That's some resume. Wait. So you he, say American Werewolf in London? Yeah. He directed American Werewolf in London? It's a fantastic movie. I, <laughs> Why? It's just so funny because the whole rest of that list of those 80s, early 90s comedies and then American oh, Werewolf in London. It's arguably a comedy. I know. But it's like a, it's sort of like a spoof on, on werewolf movies. So also... Not fun. His segment was the one where Vic uh, Murray and the two children were killed in the helicopter accident in the uh, Twilight Zone. So there's like, if you want to read up on this, this is very interesting. Him and Spielberg fled the country for years after that incident. So they couldn't be questioned, I guess. I mean, uh, that's a complete assumption on my part. But I guess for whatever reason that they had. Maybe it was just because they were so ashamed by what they had done, what... I think happened underneath their watch. I don't know. I think some. I think that the, he was well known. This guy for like doing risky stunts and things on movie sets, and then this one bit him in the ass. So. All right, so there's uh, that. Well, way to bring us down. But aside from accidentally killing people, that's a ridiculous resume. I mean, Three Amigos, Spies Like Us, Coming to America, An American Werewolf in London. Not the biggest Animal House or Blues Brothers fan, but that's just probably because it's a little bit before my time. Yeah, very well-acclaimed movies. Yeah. Uh, what this, was you- this is one that should be added to the list, and I'm actually so pissed I've never seen this movie. Yeah, I told you you were going to enjoy this. Oh, this was I one of my favorites. Of uh, best scene? Best scene. So I had... Let's see. I narrowed it down. I narrowed it down. I got it to one. When Anthony and I'm always going to call him Antony, confronts Sly about the jewels, and Sly tells him that the Fenucci's are the contract killers from Sicily. Yeah. <laughs> they do like a stupid dance number, but the Ficinis, uh are saying they do six to eight guys a day. Yeah. Because <laughs> they do suits. Yeah. And they show him a picture of the dead guy in the suit because they think they're going to be famous because the, the suit he's wearing. Right. But he thinks that it's because, oh, they're contract killers. And I loved it. My scoozy. Could you tell Senor Provolone that we in a hurry? We got to do another guy at 11 o'clock. You do more than one a day? Oh, summertime we do six, eight a day. It's a cutthroat business. And if we get backed up, we got to work weekends. And we know like that. No, we family man. You treat it like it's a normal business. To us, it's art. Hmm? Show him the pitch. What do you think it is? You guys did this? Who else? Oh, we get plenty of business from this speech. Huh? Maybe someday we do you too, huh? And when we get through with you, nobody's going to recognize you. Yeah, that was a good scene. I There's a 
handful of scenes that I love in this movie. I I think maybe I if I had to narrow it down, maybe one or two of Tim Curry's scenes where he's like correcting people's English. Yeah, I don't know where their um, grammar. Like I said, Tim Curry, motherfucking Tim Curry. That's what I wrote down in my notes. <laughs> um, he adds depth to everything he's in, and like like I said, it's just not that big of a role. Yeah, like it could have been anybody. His but character I'm glad it was Tim just Curry. needs to be there. Yes. Doesn't need to be saying anything, but he's beyond talented, and he brings out the best in everyone around him. And I love Tim Curry, and I'm so sad as to where his current state of health is. Is he sick? Yeah, he had a stroke, like a massive stroke. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Um, we're seeing, so I, I'm grasping at straws here. So I picked the ending, which is the wedding scene, which I felt like was like a Stooges esque ending where like they just kind of slapped some shit together and then called it an ending. Yeah. It was like when they ran out of ideas and yeah. Cause Oscar shows up at when she's married, Marissa Tomei is marrying Tim Curry. I like that, but also I didn't like it as him. Then like, they like yeah. picked him up and physically carried him out of the, the, the church. It's yeah. just silly. Yeah. The whole that or the Connie scene when he, when Stallone's disarming him and he's got the too many weapons. I trope. loved it. I, I thought, hate that. I was, but it was so specifically supposed to be dumb. And I even wrote down, hold on. I have to find this. Yeah. Note. But I've seen that done it. so many times. Like you got to retire. It's a thing. At a certain point, yeah, but point. maybe, maybe this was the first time. <laughs> Definitely not the first time. <laughs> Hold on, what was one of the things he pulled out of his bag? There was something ridiculous. I have to find this now. Didn't he pull out like dynamite? Yeah, that was it <laughs> with the freaking timer on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! It was good. All right. All right. If I had to pick a worst scene, it's not even a scene. It's just the stupid openings that these '90s comedies have oh. to do. Why? And it seems like they wasted a ton of money with this whole claymation of singing. Uh, I don't even know what song. Figaro. Figaro. Yeah. Like, I didn't understand what the point of it was, and why would you waste all your money on that? And you could have taken ninety-seven minutes and made it ninety-three minutes. Yes, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't need that either. So that that's a good call by you. I was sitting there. I wanted but to hate it, but he didn't do anything other than sing while the credits were yeah. rolling, the opening credits. So it it could have been worse. But that's what I'm saying. So I don't have a worse scene. I have just a. Like, it doesn't need Nitpick. to be there. Yeah. That's fine. Best role? Best role. Um, I want to give it to Sly because he's juggling so many balls at once. Mm -hmm. But I just loved what the kid did that was the... Uh, Antony? Antony, yeah. I have no idea what his name is. We should have... No, I have this that written up? down. He was Vincent Spano. Did he do anything else? No, he was in a like bunch of small roles and not even big movies um he was good for the role i could see how he's not really you know like a lead man no, sort of thing. 100 percent. but i just thought like he did what he was supposed to do and i thought flawlessly and i thought him and sly were the best exchanges in the whole movie yeah well i look they had there's a lot of great one-liners in this movie so i so my best role all i have is maybes i have nominees i can't decide who but i think aldo which peter reigert right or marissa tomei she was a. I don't think she was in the movie enough to earn the the best role. Yeah, but who was though? Aside from Stallone, Stallone's the only only character that's in almost every scene. Yeah, but he is in every scene. And Antony, like I yeah, said, he, that's, he, you're right, he's you're in right, a same. big chunk of this movie. I, I don't. Not not going with him. But Tim Curry is also a nominee. So I have three nominees. I have no decision. None of them were in the movie long enough. Mm, Put I, them all together, and that's your best role. There. So <laughs> worst role. 
worst role. What did I say for worst role? I said the the daughter Teresa. So not the role. Yes. It was actually the acting because I thought yeah. the role was very a good dry. Idea. She just very dry, very just not convincing and just there. Yeah, but like the role itself, like is everybody fine. else, everybody else was like an over the top character of right. some sort, and she was like she could right. have been anybody that you met off the street. Now you use this term all the time. They're all caricatures, right? Yes. Every single person was a caricature except yeah. her. Except her. My worst role, I didn't want to do this, but I did it. I gave it to Stallone. I didn't think he did a bad job, but he kind of like threw away some of his lines. Like you could see that the effort wasn't there 100% of the time with every line that he delivered. Like he almost kind of like looked at the camera and winked when he said certain yeah, he, things. He didn't deliver any, I am the law. No, no, no. <laughs> but, but I mean, I, look, I love Stallone in this movie. But, you know, I think that there's a slightly better version of Stallone that could have done this. Yeah, well, Stallone's not the best actor as much as I love Stallone. Yeah, so. that's that's facts. Yeah. All, All right. right. Where are we at now? Quotable quotes, lines. Quotes. I got a lot of quotes. Give me one. <laughs> one of my favorites was, uh, I, don't, I don't even remember what they were asking him, but he goes, maybe my hearing ain't 2020 anymore. That, What'd he say? That's that's my first <laughs> my first quote. <laughs> That was such a like a throwaway line too. Like you had to really me. pay attention yeah, to catch it. Got me so good. I was like, wait. I actually wrote wow because I'm like, wait, did he say vision? The Aldo talking about Stallone when Stallone walks off screen says, all of a sudden he ha he's the Duke of Ellington. Breakfast is served. Served you Paluca. I'm signing you up for elocution lessons with Doctor Poole. If I gotta do it, you gotta do it. All of a sudden, he's the Duke of Ellington. Uh, I, oh, and also, all the different times where, where Sly will say something and then he'll add the word back on at the end. He goes, are you still packing? Fork it over. Fork! <laughs> and then immediately it was followed. You're a butler now. But! <laughs> a butler. <laughs> uh, Sly to, Col to, to Connie, the way he delivers the line is not so much what he says, but how he says it, where he's so frustrated. After, like, the third time, Connie comes out with a gun. And he's like, I thought I took this rod away from you. <laughs> <laughs> what about Doc Poole? When he says, Connie says something and he goes, watch it, Connie. You've got a dangling participle. Congratulations, Doc. Will there be a honeymoon following? Watch it there, Connie. You've got a dangling participle. Connie looks down and his flies open. <laughs> like he was saying that something's wrong with his grammar. <laughs> Connie thought his dick was out. Now, everything he did was fantastic, and I missed that, that line right there. Yeah, that was a great. It was towards <laughs> the end. It's great. Um, another one. You're lucky you didn't upset me today. If you didn't upset me yesterday, you'd be wearing a cement kimono. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's all my lines. Oh, you keep me up here like Rapunzel. Well, you ain't Snow White. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was good. Uh, Look, man, this is a good movie, so. Go watch this movie. Please, if you haven't seen this movie, stop what you're doing right now and go watch it. Yep. Don't even listen to this last one because it sucks. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> I'm not even holding back with this one. All right, coming in at number one, Out for Justice, grossing $39.6 million. It's miles from civilization. Give me the arm, what? But just one subway stop from Manhattan. Hey, you want a party? Brooklyn. <laughs> They were friends. Ever since we was little. Born on these streets. One of us, family. Now, after 15 years... Who ever thought that I would have become a cop, huh? They will play cops and robbers one more time. But this time... Richie got out of the car and just stepped up, bang. 
It's no game. Three of his crew were with him. Steven Seagal. I know this guy better than anybody else. I know the neighborhood better than anybody else. Out for justice. I'm gonna keep coming back until somebody remembers seeing Richie. You know, you know our ways. He must be dealt with by us. Over here, Sal. this guy before you do. You know what I'm gonna do. So you still call me here like a girl. The body count's going up, Gino. I'm starting to get in a bad mood, you know? Maybe it's like a mood swing, my hormones, I don't know. In this neighborhood, someone's got to take out the garbage. Steven Seagal, out for justice. All right, so we watched this yeah. one together. Stop. We watch it just now. I'm going to yell at you. You can yell at me all you want. All during this, this, you, you this movie. So we're watching this movie, and we're like 20, 30 minutes in, and you're sitting there with a puss on your face. You're like, this movie sucks. I'm like, what in the fuck are you talking about? This is... You, you, I think you missed the point. So like the, the room, no, 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 no. Like the room, right? Yeah. It was intended to be a serious movie. It's amazing only for the fact that it's a horrific movie. Certain parts are, but it wasn't continuously good. I don't know. Bad the only th- the, 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 the whole thing was bad good. Stallone, uh, Stallone. Seagal's accent through the entire movie is absurd. Well, that was the only thing that kept me going with the movie. The, everybody's accent was like that, though, in the whole movie. Everybody was, forget about it over here. Over here, over here. Fucking. Well, they're from Brooklyn. You know, that's how people in Brooklyn sound. I know, yeah. So... I mean, look. Let's get. Let's have some sort of semblance of a of a um, uh, structure here. This. Let's talk about. So Seagal plays Gino. G- listen to this name. If this isn't funny, I don't know what is. His name is Gino Felino. Like, where's the? There's no irony in that. Like, nobody was like, "Hey, maybe that's a little too Italian. We should tone it down a little well, bit." They, they really had to go for it because then you know all cops are Irish. So then the the one cop was <laughs> Officer O'Kelly. O'Kelly. <laughs> Kelly wasn't good enough. I didn't know what to it. So Seagal plays a cop. William Forsythe plays Richie Madano. Um, he's the bad guy. Forsythe's actually from Brooklyn, in case you didn't know. Yeah, and he was his accent that bad? I don't no, remember. Just it, seemed like a normal person. Yeah, he was being. like a normal, yeah, he's a normal person. <laughs> just cracked up. Gina, Not coked up, cracked up. Yeah, smoking crack all over this movie. <laughs> Gina Gershon plays uh, Richie's sister, Patty. Dominic Chianese is uh, Mr. Chianese. Mad- Thank you. Yeah, I, I shouldn't have pronounced it that way. I, I practiced that and failed epically. Uh, he's Uncle. We reviewed that before the podcast. Yeah, he's Uncle Junior. He plays Madonna's uh, father. Uh, there's a lot of people in this movie, but no big names aside from Seagal, which I thought was odd. Seagal usually has like a sidekick of some sort. He was in this movie all by himself. Yeah, and Seagal usually his wife dies in every movie, but she didn't in this one. I guess because they were divorced. They were getting divorced, but so, they reconciled. But that, I guess that was the whole point. But, when, but well, right what af- about his pronunciation uh, pronunciation of reconciliation? What did he say? Reconciliation? No, he said reconcile. No, wait. Oh, reconcile. No, he said re reconciling. Recon. He reconciliation. Whatever he did, he put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Hard. All right, so what's the plot of this movie? You want you want my breakdown? I, I, I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna go for it off the top of my head. All right, <laughs> Brooklyn cop who grew up in Brooklyn as a foster child to the mafia <laughs> becomes a cop, and his best friend 
comes with him to be a cop, but he gets murdered by the mafia people who they were adopted by. <laughs> and he wants to take out the bad guy from the mafia, but the mafia wants to kill the bad guy too. Well, yours is much more elaborate. Mine's much more succinct. <laughs> My plot is somebody did Bobby Lupo. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> they did do Bobby Lupo. They did him dirty. That's the too. whole point of the movie. Somebody they, did Bobby. Forsyth put like six rounds in him, spit in his face, and, and then slapped, put, slapped incriminating evidence on his chest. And then gave him one more. <laughs> in broad daylight, in the middle of a busy street. In front of his wife and kids. So if you haven't seen this movie, William Forsyth, we're just going to call him Richie from now on yeah. because they're screaming. Richie. Richie. Yes. They're not, it's not Richie. It's, it's Richie. Richie. There's a chi at the end. Who's seen Richie? <laughs> I, I Who's seen Richie? I was planning on doing that through the uh, throughout the entire episode, and I failed. So I apologize <laughs> to everybody. Um, yeah, so he, he, he's having like he's going out Scarface style. This is like his last day on Earth, and he knows it, and he's settling all scores. He's getting all sorts of drunk, all sorts of high. And when you say settling all scores, every score, he, it's, it's a traffic violation, yeah. you're done. It looked at me the wrong way, dead. He legit pulls out a Karen. I'm going to call her Karen because there's yes. no better way to describe her. Yeah. Who's honking because he's in his way. Gets out of the car like, Richie, get back in the car, Richie. <laughs> he pulls a woman out by her hair. Says, all right, then. Fuck me, fuck you, and he blows her head off. <laughs> but like the most absurd thing, like so when he gets out of the car, you're like, I hope he shoots this woman yes. in the head because you want the character to be that out of control, but you fully expect him to not <laughs> shoot her. And he pulls her head out of the window and puts the gun up to her head and pulls the trigger. I and, cheered. And then yeah, you're so happy. Not that the woman's dead, but that this guy is that crazy because you know you're in for a ride. I legit was like, Richie! <laughs> Richie. Can we talk about how absurd the conversations were when he's speaking to the mafia guys so it's like the worst portrayal of like the godfather but the back and forth italian to english english to italian and you don't know who's going to speak english or italian at what time i wish i spoke italian so i could decipher how bad seagal's accent was (laughs) it had to be terrible right there's no way that it's good yeah well i mean whatever (laughs) seagal has to be like he the coolest. He's got to be the most interesting man in every movie that he's ever in. Everyone has to love him. Yeah. Even his wife actually tells him in the movie, "You know everybody loves you, <laughs> and everybody always will love you. You're the best." That that's what he needs to hear. <laughs> I feel like he has somebody in his employ who wakes up and wakes up and tells him that. Like probably that, that's what he's got to hear every morning. It wouldn't surprise me, not in the least. We don't know why Richie does Bobby. Right? We still don't know why Richie does Bob. Oh, it's his yeah, girlfriend. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a ridiculous. They they <laughs> never really dig down to it, but they kind of they get to it, but then it's like kind of like thrown out. So anyway, so after that, Seagal goes into vigilante mode, but he's a cop. I need to understand the beret. I don't yeah. understand the beret. So or he's that he cut put, off vest thing. That he's he's wearing? wearing a cut off button down shirt and a beret as a police officer. Everybody else is in uniform <laughs> or suits or whatever, like <laughs> normal detectives would be. I, if you're playing clothes, fine. But I don't understand the beret. I don't never seen a New York City cop wear a beret, and I definitely don't understand a button down cut off. <laughs> I mean, maybe if the button down cut off was just what he was wearing at the time, because he got the call that Bobby Lupo, someone did Bobby Lupo, you know. And if he just ran out of his house, like, I could get on board with that. But, like, he took the time to put the beret on. Right. So here, this is the how absurdly over the top this movie is. 
he's in the car. He's driving around looking for informants and shit to find out where Richie is. He's behind a random car. The guy in the car in front of him throws a garbage bag out of his car. <laughs> What's in it? The car was moving at the time. What's in the garbage bag? A little husky puppy. The guy threw a puppy in a garbage bag out of a moving car. In the middle of a residential area of Brooklyn. For no apparent reason other than he was like, well, fuck this puppy. <laughs> Done. And I love the first thing I said when this time because he read the, something that was on the back of the car. I can't remember what the back Kill them all and let God sort them out. That was it. So he like, read must the, be a tough guy. I'm like, oh, wow. I can't wait for this to come back in the last 15 seconds of the movie. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> but you never saw this movie before. No. I've seen this movie so many times. I was so excited because I knew it was going to happen and I couldn't wait for it. And they delivered hard because not only did he find the guy, yeah. not only did he knock the guy's teeth down his throat, but then the puppy that had been thrown out of the car that, by the way, Seagal had adopted, yeah, walks up to the man and pisses on his face. So absurd. <laughs> that's how the movie ends. It's like, that's what I'm saying. Like that's the movie you got. So at what point were you taking this movie seriously? I wasn't taking it seriously. It just it, it's funnier to talk about than it is to watch. All right, let's hit some topics. The director John Flynn. Nobody. Yeah, not really. Well, he has two other movies that are worth noting: Lock Up with Stallone in '89 good movie and brain scan in 94 with uh what's the kid from t2 edward furlong that's his name yes i knew that and also brain scans like a cult classic sort of thing so uh that's john flynn uh, he was, he also wrote a couple other things but uh, not very extensive all right what's your best scene anybody seen richie anybody seen richie <laughs> anybody know why richie did bobby lupo Vinny. Tell them to get up on the foot. You totally fucking nuts, so what? You could have killed somebody upstairs. But there ain't nobody upstairs. There's nobody upstairs. How would you know? Did you bust in a jerk? I don't recall. Um, yeah, so I picked the same scene. Um, but for a few more reasons. It wasn't just the anybody seen Richie. It was also that it was that. But the fact that he's trying to pick a fight with everyone. He throws everybody. A, he throws a guy into a phone booth and closes the phone booth on him. Yeah. And he cycles around the whole bar. He pushes this guy. He makes fun of that guy. Knocks this guy off his chair. Gets into a fight with the bartender. Knocks the bartender out. Walks through the bar. Takes all the beers and just starts throwing them at everybody. <laughs> saying, "What the hell's this? What's that? What's this? What's that?" <laughs> Finds a hot dog. Says, "Whose hot dog is this?" Waggles the hot dog in someone's face. <laughs> throws <laughs> that at them. <laughs> hey, Benny. What do we got here, huh? What is this shit, huh? Huh? You crazy man, come on, man. Whose hot dog is this, huh? Is it yours? If you didn't have that badge and that gun, these guys would take your head off. Fuck out of here. Comes out of there, walks back around the bar again, pushes the guy back into the. Yeah, he had like just he had just emerged from the phone booth, and he pushes him back in and closes the door again. Then he proceeds to fight everybody yeah well that 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 scene i could i could put that scene on a loop and i'd be happy <laughs> that was very funny and then of course he has to do the whole trope where he has to level the playing field for everyone he takes all the bullets out of his gun says hey, no, yeah, no yeah, gun yeah yeah but this time he did have that pool ball hidden in his pocket because he knew he was going to need it yeah well look i i think that this was this fight scene was Seagal's best fight scene to date at least at least because it was while it was still they were still lining lining up one by one to be knocked down by Seagal. At least it was an interesting fight scene. Like it wasn't 
He wasn't doing ridiculous, absurd well, things. Until the pool stick fight. I like that part. I don't know why you didn't like it. Because <laughs> there was 15 straight seconds of them swinging pool sticks as hard as they could at each other, as fast as they could, and they didn't get hit for full 15 full seconds. Mm, that's because he's the, the greatest judo master of all time. I don't know what pool sticks has to do with judo, but all right. It's just who he is. All right. He's great at everything. Fine. All right. Wor- uh, worst scene? My worst scene was the montage. The montage that... Yes. <laughs> The montage did nothing. They the they had a montage. Now montages are generally used to I think fast forward so you could get a lot of information in and t- as time exposition. goes by quickly, right? So yeah. like yeah, like somebody learning how to do something. Instead of taking days to learn to do something through the movie, you do it in a montage and they know it in five minutes, right? right. This they took three, four, five minutes of a montage that just did, them doing random shit. It did nothing to further the plot of the movie. In nobody fact, learned anything. In fact, there's one part of the montage where one of the mafia guys, the one that's they're on the same side as each other, stops to talk to Gino. Yeah. But they, they're literally having a conversation in the montage. Like they, they show the whole conversation. But there's music playing over <laughs> there's it. There's no dialogue. There's, you don't can't hear their voices. <laughs> so whatever he learned in that section of the montage, you don't know. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. <laughs> it's like, the, why would you do it? Like, we're going to do a montage to take up five minutes of the movie, not to fast forward. Hold on. This movie's only an hour and 29 minutes. We need to up it five minutes. <laughs> All right. Uh, worst, best role? Best role, I said William Forsyth because he was the only person I believed was a real human being, even though he's smoking crack and killing everybody. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. He was the most realistic character, but yet he was supposed to be like... The wildest. Yes. But he was the wildest, but he also did the best job portraying that person. I don't know what it is. He was the only one that seemed like a normal human being. Yeah, the mass murdering, crack smoking, alcoholic mobster was the most normal person in the movie. That just goes to show you Seagal's acting chops. All right, so you ready for my best and worst actor? Yeah. Seagal. Okay. It's one and the same. Because without Seagal, I don't enjoy this movie. With Seagal, I love this movie, but also it's like he does it a, a terrible job at playing, I don't know, at being anything. Yeah, I mean, Seagal, I hate Seagal. I, I'll never give him a best, so not going to happen. No, I hate him. I, I hate I, him. I takes hate, a, let, me, let me ask you this. Let me ask Seagal. you this. Seagal. Take Seagal. Did you enjoy this movie, yes or no? I enjoy talking about this movie. All right. but Is that good enough for you? That's all you're getting. That's fair, but would you be able to enjoy talking about it if Seagal didn't do a bad job? No. Exactly. But so you couldn't replace him with Jean-Claude, and I still No, I hate Jean-Claude <laughs> in every movie ever except for Bloodsport. Jean-Claude is the worst version of Steven Seagal. How's that? Fine. Fine. But my point is they're the same. <laughs> you, you can argue that point, and I'd probably concede. However, I prefer Seagal. My worst role was O'Kelly. <laughs> O'Kelly. O'Kelly. O'Kelly is referenced once. And twice. It, twice. No, no. He's referenced once, oh, right. and then he's on screen once for three seconds. No dot. He has no words. No, no dialogue. Word. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just because of his name. 
I don't, is there an O'Kelly? Is that a common last name? I don't think it's so. It's so aggressively Irish. All right. Look, this movie's full of quotable lines, so let's get into some. All right. I mean, I so only the, have the one. Go ahead. So he goes after he finds the dog in the garbage can. Yeah. It's not in the garbage can. It's a garbage, garbage bag. Garbage bag is what I meant to say, but that was just so stupid. So he goes into some random shop, and of course, everybody knows him. Everyone, Everyone knows him. Oh, yeah, he's friends with every single person in the world. So he walks behind the counter. And there's this kid like standing there. He's like, I guess works at the store, but he's so so clearly not ready to be an actor. <laughs> he goes to him. He goes, where's the, stu- where, where's the stuff that this thing eats? He goes, oh, you're going to need this. Oh, he's little like that. He's going to need this too. He goes, all right, this, this shit ain't from New Jersey, is it? The kid goes, no. He goes, good. I don't want to give him any radioactive shit. He goes, I don't blame you. And that's the end of the scene. Yeah, but that, that's it's all. so reminiscent of when uh, in the room when Johnny Wiseau walks into the flower shop <laughs> with the dog. And the dog, you're my favorite customer, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. I've I've gone off the rails here. I'm on board. I like it. But, 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 I feel like that. I feel like talk. I feel like that's a genuine Italian conversation where, like, there's no actual point to the conversation. They're just kind. Of, they're not talking. They're not talking to each other. They're talking like at each other. But it's these random things that, like, he inserts yeah, into his movies that just, it's just so out of place. Oh, we never did worse scene. We didn't. No. Worse. Oh, we be- go back. No, yes, we did. I said montage. You, oh, and I never did mine. You never did yours. Mine Seagal's non sequitur monologues. His storytelling that had nothing to do with the movie. Oh my god, I needed to write this down. There was one in particular that yeah, just where he blew talks my mind. He's going on and on and on about his uncle stuffed this guy in the yes. trunk and he went to the movie. And like I'm thinking to myself, like that he's making a point because he just shit on the Don in, the, about, yeah, he, in the in he, the You think he's telling him why he didn't go into the life of the mafia because he's talking about how close he was to all of them. Yeah, no, but I think that I me thinking I haven't not haven't seen this movie in a while. He just got out of the restaurant after talking shit to the Don. And then the Don's like right hand comes out to him like, why did you talk to the Don like that? And he tells a story about how when he was nine years old, his uncle took some guy, stuffed him in a trunk, went to a movie, watched the whole movie and then came out. And made him send the guy on his yeah, way. And then to- and then like the guy like scurried away. He was afraid of a nine-year-old or whatever. And me thinking like, all right, he's going to tell him why he has no respect for the Don because the Don was that guy that was like all right, was yeah. punked by him and his uncle back in the day. No, it was just some random guy and a random story. And the- his point was, this is why he always wanted to be a gangster, but he never became a gangster. <laughs> he so didn't the tell us why. Story- he- <laughs> the story had no point. Yeah, just... He's That's like, why he wanted he's, to be a gangster, but he never actually did. Like, he became a cop instead. Yeah, but, but what, tell what? us, tell us the story of how you became a cop in a in a in a neighborhood full of Italian mobsters. That's the story right. to tell. You just got to change it, and that's why I wanted to be a cop because I hated how horrible that was. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Four lines of dialogue, one line of dialogue ruined everything. All right. Anyway. Yeah. So, um, back to quotable lines. I'm going all the way back to the very first time Carl <laughs> opens his mouth, where they're they're on a stakeout for like a huge drug bust, but this this pimp is beating up this prostitute, was- and then Sagal can't stop watching it. Right. And he's, they're like, don't do it. Don't, uh, Gino, don't do it. They know he's going to get out of the truck and ruin the drug bust. And before he gets out of the truck, he goes, Maron, what's he doing? He's throwing this girl a beating over here? <laughs> no, no, what's he doing? He's, he's throwing this girl a beating over here. 
know, we got a three million dollar hit about to go down over here. You don't like it? Turn your head. Like, why you can't be any more over the top Italian the first time you open your mouth? Wait, what was his best friend's name again that got murdered? Uh, Bobby, Bobby Lupo. Lupo. Yeah. So that was Bobby Lupo that was in the car with him. No, because Bobby was on the street. Bob, Bobby. Was that was later, though. That was after that whole thing. First, they had to establish uh, maybe that Seagal's that, a badass. Oh, uh, maybe it was Bobby. <laughs> I think that was Bobby Lupo. Uh, what about when uh, when Richie goes and pulls up to like two gangsters like under the train trestle, or whatever? He goes, "Hey, I'm looking for two <laughs> for two hot shots for backup." Anybody got the balls? How about you, Paulie? And Paulie goes, yeah, I got the balls. And he throws him a wad of cash. He goes, now you got the bread. <laughs> it's stupid. But, like, I didn't know, like, that he knew them either. It just seemed like he just approached two random guys, like, packing their trunk for a vacation. Well, everybody knows everybody in this part of Brooklyn, so. Well, they did start off with that quote in the beginning of the movie that told us that the, there, there is a, there's a wall yeah. that doesn't exist. But yeah. That's was, their. It was that's it, their part of. The it point. was some deep, intense, thought-out quote in the beginning of a movie that didn't warrant it. <laughs> what about uh, when he goes to the hooker's house and she tells him that she's gone straight? He's like, "Would you do? Would you just like she's off the drugs and she's not a hooker anymore?" He's like, "Would you do? Would you just say no?" He's like, "What are you? What's her name? Nancy fucking Raybush." Fucking <laughs> 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 Raybush. Anyway, this movie's amazing too. This is by far my favorite Seagal movie. I'm having by a lot far. of fun talking about it. I did not have fun watching it. Listen, I will say that much. I could put this movie on at any given point and definitely enjoy it. Well, so. I think we can agree Oscar was the best movie. Oscar was the best movie this month. Yeah, I mean that's easy to say. All uh, right. So what do we got coming up next month? All right, coming up next time, we, we're going into May of 1991, and it's time to get excited. So in no particular order, we have Thelma and Louise. Never seen it. Looking forward to it. That's um, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt's first movie. Nice. Yeah, so Thelma and Louise. We have... Can I tell you, I'm a bit of a Brad Pitt fanboy. I love Brad Pitt. He's not, he's not my number one. But he's definitely up there. Ocean's Eleven kind of sealed that for me with him. That movie is... Fight Club? Fight Club's amazing, but Ocean's Eleven was like, that's you wanted to one hang of my out with all-time him. favorite movies. He's like movies. the coolest yes, guy you've ever absolutely, seen. Absolutely, 100%. Yes. So that movie sold it for me, for him. All right, so we got Thelma and Louise, Backdraft, which is... I haven't seen Backdraft since I the 90s. I must have been nine years old when I watched this movie. Like the last I remember time. it being such a big deal. I do know my father-in-law loves to talk shit about this movie all the time. Why? Because it's unrealistic? Because he's a fireman. And oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, so there's that. And what about Bob? All right. So I need to explain to everybody. My wife is a typical girl in the, her... The, in the, the genre of movies that she likes. What About Bob is the only movie that I love that she will willingly watch and even at points suggest to watch time and time again the way she, I could watch She does. I will attest to this. She watches it the same way you watch movies such as... Like, she would watch it the way you watch Jaws. Yeah. like she, <laughs> I could suggest What About Bob at any given night and it would be a yes. So are we going to have a cameo appearance? I think Elena, my wife, must be... On the next podcast. Yeah, she'll be able to talk more about that movie than either of us, I think. For What About Bob? So, what else, are there any other heavy hitters in this month? Uh, not that I'm seeing that stand mm -hmm. out to me. Okay, so also we have, not in the top three, Soap Dish, which is an amazing movie. Star-studded cast. Only the Lonely, which is a severely underrated John Candy movie. Very good. Hudson Hawk. 
despised when it came out. Now it's a cult classic. I've always loved this movie. Mannequin on the Move, which is, I mean, that's just absurd. The first one is a classic 80s movie. The second one has to be trash. And that's it. Yeah, well, I've never heard of any of those movies except the top three. So that's me. Well, uh, you should. You never watch Hudson Hawk? I've heard of Hudson Hawk, so that's a lie. I have heard of Hudson Hawk, but I've never seen it. Only the Lonely is a John Candy movie. You should watch that. And and Soap Dish has uh, Robert Downey Jr. in it and a lot of other people, and it's a really good movie. So. All right, then. There we are. All May right. of 91, coming up soon. So we did, yeah, releasing when we get to it. <laughs> releasing when we no longer have technical difficulties. All right, so we're here. We're doing things. We're, we're trying. We're saying words about, this. about movies. Movies. Go. And uh, that's it. Peace out. Thanks for listening.